Hey, everybody. I'm so excited. I can't stand it. The new commemorative Kate Daly Show coin limited edition is here. It's ready. And you can purchase one. You can help Truth and Radio. 99 bucks. And of course, for value, you've got a real silver coin. And that sits on, in your pocket, which is real nice at $40, $45 value. And it's only supposed to skyrocket. So it's a good investment. It's an investment into silver. It's an investment into Truth and Radio. The coin itself says, be faithful, be fearless, just like we need to be. And modeled after the flowing hair coin. That was the first coin ever minted in the United States, ever. 1794, when we became a country. Let's celebrate history. Let's celebrate truth and radio. And the show needs it. We need your help. We can't go on. It's a very expensive show. We cannot do this without you. We can't grow without you. And so this is a limited edition. Please get one before they're gone. And let me just tell you, this coin is gorgeous. You can go see it at katedallyradio.com. Really easy to order. You just click on the link. It takes you two seconds. But if you can order several of these or order one for yourself and maybe some for friends or family, it's a great way to celebrate what's so important in this country. Truth, education, all the things that we need as a populace. And I love the guests that I have on the show. I love the co-hosts like Chris Ann Hall coming on to educate us. And let me just tell you, this is worth it. This is a way that instead of just listening, you can act by having one of these in your home. It comes in a beautiful case. And on the back, it says, in God, we trust united. We stand also on the front. It says the Kate Daly show, be faithful and be fearless. I hope we always remain faithful and fearless because that's what it's going to take to get through all of this. And I hope that you purchase one of these coins, please, to keep this show on the air. And uh, a big thank you, big heartfelt thank you from me, all the co-hosts, because this show is not corporate owned. We run from you. We run off of you. And I thank you. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Please go purchase one of these. We've been waiting for this for a long time and get one before it's gone. Thanks. KateDallyRadio.com. Look for the link on the top. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and due to your incredible support, the original My Slippers are almost completely sold out. As a special thank you, I am launching my brand new all-season slippers, slides, and sandals for as low as $29.98. This is a limited time offer, so go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code, and you'll get all my new footwear for as low as $29.98. My all-season slippers are made with my exclusive four-layer design that you won't find in any other slipper. They're finished with a breathable fabric so you can wear them all year round. And my new slides and sandals are made with patented impact gel, making them ultra comfortable and extremely durable. I guarantee they'll be the most comfortable footwear you'll ever own. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen now to get your very own all-season slipper slides and sandals for as low as $29.98 with your promo code. This is an introductory offer and it won't last long, so order now. Balance of Nature, changing the world one life at a time. Skin, hair, nails, just good health all over. So I got to the point where I was, for like a week, week and a half, I like didn't really take vegetables. And I could totally feel a difference just from not taking the vegetables. I just feel mellower. And that helps me too, because then I can give myself a break and say, good, you did it. I know that this is a good path for me to go on. I can tell there's things that are happening, and I do feel better. Yes, it's better. I was really down, and it has been uplifting. I really do approve of it, and I'm 80 years old, and so this is really uh, good for me. 
Start your journey to better health with Balance of Nature right now. Call 1-800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com to get free shipping. And don't forget to get 35% off your first order as a preferred customer by using discount code KATE. I wish we had a TV expert to tell us what to do today. I hate relying on common sense. The Kate Daly Show starts now. When people ask me, why are you so skeptical of what the medical establishment tells us? I say, because I've seen them react to a virus before. By 1987, CDC officials pretty much knew how HIV was spreading and who was in danger. But... Science can be arbitrary, and instead of being precise and focusing on who should be protected, we launched a fear campaign about how AIDS was going to explode into the heterosexual community. And the upshot of bad information was that in the late 1980s, low-risk Americans were swamping testing facilities and diverting our attention and energy away from the truly at-risk. 78% who've died or been hospitalized were overweight. If you're obese and unvaccinated or 85 and still crowd surfing at music festivals, doesn't it make more sense to focus on helping the vulnerable stay safe and let the rest of us go back to living normal lives? Big thank you to Karen Morris. That was great on uh, prepping. I hope you guys gleamed a lot of good, good tips off of that. Things that we should be doing right now. Everybody's, you know, they've got that feeling, that gut feeling. It's like, ooh, and this manufactured food shortage uh, is coming. And right now is your window to prepare. Go to preparewithkate.com and order some food, please. You can pay on it later. Um, and get some Zelenko um, products, the four-in-one, uh, as far as like quercetin, zinc, all that vitamin C, vitamin D. It's a great way to take it and minimize, you know, 100 pills. It's fantastic. And his supplements are so good. They're very natural and they're very wonderful, uh, the late Dr. Zelenko. Um, so the headlines right now, I just want to mention because I'm going to, I'll bring you some research, but the, the headlines right now. Sorry, it's just, it's excruciating um, <laughs> to look at the headlines. Uh, so, of course, uh, look at, look at, look at where our focus is supposed to be. Feds hunt stolen nuke docs. Search warrant next. Espionage Act violations. Obstruction of justice with a picture of Trump and on fire. <laughs> uh, okay, this is theater. This is so much theater. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about big picture, shall we? Because um, there, were, there were two things. One uh, in the news today on the headlines was uh, polio again in New York City sewage. Okay, I guess they're only finding this in New York. Interesting. And um, also monkeypox tra- transfers from human to dog for the first time. Two gay men had sex and then their dog showed up with testing positive for polio. They are monkeypox. I'm sorry. They they tested positive for monkeypox. Then the dog, t- sorry. Then the dog tested positive for monkeypox. <clears throat> anyway, you can just draw your own conclusions. So, I I'm looking at these headlines, and we just we just need some big picture stuff right now because of I think what's coming, what they're going to be doing, and right now everything is just. It's like temporary theater. So you just kind of look at it as temporary theater. So let's talk about, uh, let's, let's talk about um, some research that I've been, I've been doing and a question that I had that I, it was hard to answer and I couldn't get an answer from anybody. 
And there was a uh, there was this great piece, and and it was talking about 1907, 1915, an outbreak of sickness in New York, right? And this is what gave the director of the Rockefeller Institute, Simon Flexner. Simon Flexner is an important person back then, not important good, important bad. Um, back then, he was running the Rockefeller Institute, and he seized upon an outbreak of sickness, okay, as this opportunity to lay claim to the discovery of something invisible. And he would name it virus, okay? He would name this virus and he would call it, end up calling it poliomyelitis, poliomyelitis. Now, I did a show a month ago, I don't know, um, about virus. And I think it was kind of eye-opening. Some people had a hard time with that. Oh, no, we were all, uh, viruses are viruses. I mean, how, how can you question that? But maybe you'll question it after you hear this, okay? So the word poliomyelitis simply means this. It's an inflammation of the spinal cord gray matter. That's what it means. That's what it is. Inflammation of the spinal cord gray matter. And there were a bunch of New Yorkers and some in New Jersey, New Jersey, which uh, was a huge outbreak um, and uh, of this thing, which I'll get into. And it was mostly kids. And they designated this with some form of this polio uh, myelitis. And it included paralysis and even death. And so during the first half of the 20th century, the early 1900s, um, every key phrase uh, of this business was controlled by people to, who, to what became the Rockefeller Medical Cabal. Okay? So keep that in mind as we're talking. This fraud started with claims by the director of the Rockefeller Institute, Simon Flexner, that he and his colleague, Paul Lewis, had isolated a pathogen, but it was invisible to the eye. But they had isolated this thing, even though it was invisible. Smaller, they said, than a bacteria which they claimed caused the paralyzing sickness in a series of outbreaks in the United States. Well, how did they come to this idea? And this information coming from um, William Engdahl. William Engdahl used to be kind of a, I think, a hardcore leftist. And he does a lot of research on deep state. And he goes back and, and uh, we, we talk uh, every now and again because his, he does some very, very good research on deep state in the last five years. It's just been really good. And um, so I applaud some of the work that he's doing. And there was a paper published in 1909, and it was the journal of the new, brand new American Medical Association, the AMA, the glorified AMA. And Flexner claimed that he and this Paul Lewis... They had isolated this invisible thing, and they reported they had successfully, quote-unquote, passaged poliomyelitis through several monkeys, from monkey to monkey. And they began by injecting diseased human, so they injected this into the monkeys, diseased human spinal cord tissue of a young boy who had died, presumably from this invisible virus. And they, they, they injected it, into the brains of the monkeys. You heard me, right? They were injecting this into the brains of the monkeys, the spinal cord tissue from this boy that died. After the monkey fell ill, a suspension of its diseased spinal cord tissue was injected into the brains of other monkeys who fell ill. Okay? I know you're wondering right now, seriously, is this 
this was science. I mean, you're injecting this into this disease, this disease spinal spinal cord tissue into monkeys. Okay. Anyway, so they proclaimed that the Rockefeller Institute doctors had proven poliomyelitis virus causality for this mystery disease. They hadn't done anything like that at all. This was the lie. Let me, let me serve up the lie to you. Flexner and Lewis even admitted it. This is what they said. They even admitted the lie. We failed utterly to discover, I'm quoting, we failed utterly to discover bacteria either in film preparations or in cultures that would account for the disease. And since among our long series of propagations of the virus in monkeys, not one animal showed in the lesions, right, um, described by, you know, various investigators, we failed to obtain any such bacteria from the human material studied by the U.S., but studied by us. We felt that they would be excluded from consideration. So what did they then do? They made this bizarre supposition. It wasn't a scientific claim. They took their hypothesis of viral um, exogenous agency and made it a fact without any proof because they didn't want to be discounted. So they asserted this, this comment. Therefore, the infecting agent of epidemic poliomyelitis belongs to the class of the minute and filterable viruses that have not thus far been demonstrated with certainty under the microscope. Therefore, hmm, doesn't sound like he did what he wanted to put out there, does it? Simon Flexner asserted it must be a polio virus killing the monkeys because they couldn't find another explanation, not because they proved it. In fact, he did not look for any other source of illness because they just wanted the conclusion that they wanted to come to. This is why it, end, it was ended up, they ended up calling this polio, this invisible thing. It was not a scientific isolation. It was wild speculation because they didn't prove it. They just didn't come up with any other explanation. So they came up with one explanation and then pretty much, you know, claimed that it was science. And they, uh, they titled this in the, uh, the Journal of American Medical Association. They titled it in 1909, The Nature of the Virus of Epidemic Poliomyelitis, which became polio, the name polio. The so-called virus they were injecting into monkeys was hardly pure. It was diseased. They were taking something diseased and injecting it into the monkeys and then observing them for a disease. Does that sound weird? It also contained a, a, an undetermined amount of contaminants. So what they did was they took, it was almost like a mixer, right, at the time, and they pureed spinal cord, brain, fecal matter, flies, flies that were ground up, and injected them into monkeys to induce paralysis. Yeah. They took all of that, blended it up, and injected it into monkeys to induce paralysis. And until Jonas Salk won approval from U.S. government in April 1955 for the polio vaccine, no scientific proof of existence of a virus causing 
poliomyelitis or infantile uh, paralysis, which is what it was called early on um, in 1907, as it was commonly known, had been proven. And that is the case to this day. The medical world all took Rockefeller's director, Flexner, Simon Flexner's word for it, that it must be a virus. Has to be a virus because Simon Flexner said so, and he's from the Rockefeller Institute. It was, it was obviously inconclusive. He still published it. And then what did they do? They highly acclaimed it. They basically put it on a pedestal. And Simon Flexner then got his brother, Abraham Flexner, to do a study. He, all he was was a teacher <laughs> to do a study. They claimed it came from the American Medical Association. It came from the Rockefeller General Education Board. Right? And the Carnegie Foundation, the ones that uh, took your education and majorly screwed with it and just totally wiped out our education. And, uh, of course, uh, that was founded by Andrew Carnegie, Rockefeller's close friend. You got all these people doing a study to try to prove that this was the case. Be right back. Kate Daly. Talk lines are open now. Call 888-673-1450. This is the Kate Daly Show. I've seen all good people turn their heads each day So satisfied I'm on my way I've seen all good people turn their heads each day So satisfied I'm on my way All right, welcome back. Hey, Dally Show. And of course, that's, uh, I think, yes, right? I've seen all good people. Ah, so much to go over. Okay, so... um, I also wanted, of course, balance of nature. Please go get balance of nature. Help your immune system to thwart some of the things I'm going to be talking about. And uh, please, 35% off free shipping and 31 fruits and vegetables a day. And get some extra for food storage. Please. Um, also, go, go get the collector's coin, please. Help this show. I'm asking. <laughs> because uh, I, I can't, we can't do the show um, without it, because there's no corporation standing there to help. So, which which is what we want, because we want to make, remain who we are. So please go to katedallyradio.com and pick up a collector's coin of this coin, and you'll it, it's a, it's a beautiful coin, by the way, silver coin. It puts a little money back in your pocket too, and uh, hopefully, I, from what we've been told, silver's going up. So please, 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 um, go grab one and help uh, free speech. It's disintegrating. Okay, so let me go on because there's some there's some really good points here I need to make. So Simon Flexner from the Rockefeller Foundation needed to get some cred. Okay, he needed more credibility to sell this idea of this invisible thing that he named a virus. And um, he was he was publishing his inconclusive, you know, study. Um, and he arranged for his brother, who was just a school teacher, no medical background whatsoever, uh, to head this joint study between the AMA, the Rockefellers, and the Carnegie Foundation, because Rockefeller's friend owned the Carnegie Foundation. 
And by 1910, it was, it was titled the Flexner Report. Now, I've talked about this before because all, everything that I'm giving you right now, I've talked about in bits and pieces before in my own research. So, so th- then we had the Flex. The Flexner Report was the catalyst for kind of getting rid of the country doctor and getting rid of all of the homeopathic things we used to do and really shore up pharma and the introduction uh, and really give the AMA, the street cred to, to run, right, to absolutely run our medical institutions. So the Flexner report, what, what happened was, was uh, Simon Flexner's brother, Abraham, who's the school teacher, went around every U.S. medical school and he would recommend who got to stay and who got to go. <laughs> I'm not kidding. He's a school teacher and he recommended that only half of the medical schools would be closed, right? So he recommended that a half of the 165 medical schools that we had here in the United States would be closed because he would define them as substandard. And this reduced competition, right, for other approaches to healing disease, okay? No one's going to find out what the cause of this was, right? They had they had made up, really, um, virus. And so now you've got to shore that up by training the doctors only one way, and that was to believe in virus. So what do you do? You close down half the schools. AMA takes really takes them over at that point. And they target naturopathic medical schools and chiropractic and osteopaths. And they, they, they basically just say, ugh, you know, that is not going to be, you know, anybody that was unwilling to join up to be the AMA school of medicine wasn't going to make it. And the Rockefeller money went to the select schools to shore them up. Okay. And there was a curriculum, but the curriculum now through the AMA to train all your doctors up was drugs and surgery as treatment. No prevention, no nutrition, no toxicology as possible cause, nothing. And they accepted the germ theory, uh, pastor's germ theory of disease. And that was the only thing taught, which claims one germ to one disease reductionism. One germ to one disease reductionism. That was the claim of the germ theory. Rockefeller controlled media launched this whole coordinated witch hunt against all forms of alternative medicine, herbal remedies, natural vitamins, chiropractic, anything that um, Rockefeller uh, didn't think would support pharma. The Rockefeller Institute uh, Virology Laboratory established uh, viral virology as an independent field. That's when that happened because Simon Flexner said this little invisible thing was called a virus and he had nothing to support that. Nothing. He didn't prove it. He just claimed it. So now they have an entire section of virology. And, um, so virology, a reductionist medical fraud was the creation of the Rockefellers. And that fact is buried in all of the old records of medicine today. So the diseases uh, such as smallpox, measles, polio were declared caused by invisible pathogens called specific viruses. And if scientists could isolate the invisible virus, I'm sure you do that with an invisible virus, theoretically they could find vaccines to protect people from harm. Why do you think they had the vaccine before they even named COVID had it ready to go already in production. And so their theory went well, and it was this huge boon for the Rockefeller cartel. 
of the pharm- and the pharmaceutical companies. So Simon Flexner and Rockefeller succeeded in 1911 in having the symptoms that were being called polio to be entered into U.S. public health law as contagious, infectious disease caused by an airborne virus. Let me say that again. Simon Flexner, who ran the Rockefeller Institute and the whole entire Rockefeller Institute, 1911, they succeeded in having the symptoms that were called polio to be entered into U.S. public health law as contagious, infectious disease caused by an airborne virus. Yet even they admitted they had not proven how the disease enters the body of humans. They never prevent, they never ever could prove that it was infectious. They never could prove it was contagious. They couldn't prove anything. They did still not know how those people that had whatever they had, okay, they didn't know how it got into their bodies. What what have you been told nonstop? Oh, contagious. Oh, six feet apart. Oh, your germs are traveling. Oh, droplets. They never proved it from the very beginning. As one uh, experienced doctor pointed out in a medical journal in 1911, he said, our present knowledge of the possible methods of contagion is based almost entirely upon the work that the Rockefeller Institute did. This is how all your doctors are trained, ladies and gentlemen. In 1951, Dr. Ralph Scobie, a critic of the Rockefellers, uh, rushed to judgment on polio contagion, said, quote, this, of course, placed reliance on animal experiments rather than clinical investigations. And Scobie pointed out the lack of proof that, that polio was contagious. Children affected with the disease were kept in general hospital wards and that not a single one of the other inmates of the wards of the hospital was ever affected. So how was it contagious? You know, when I was with my husband for 10 days and he had pneumonia, I didn't get pneumonia. No one in the family got pneumonia. Nobody he was around got pneumonia. It was only him. And think about how many times in your life that's true for you too. Children affected with the disease were kept in these these wards, right? And everybody was told it was contagious. By having polio, um, oh, and here's the rest of the statement. The general attitude at the time was summed up in 1911. This was the sentiment. It seems to us, despite the lack of absolute proof, that the best interests of the community would be conserved by our regarding the disease as contagious. That's, I, I can't make this up. The best interests of the community would be conserved by simply regarding the disease as contagious. Never ever proving it, never having anything to say it was. But look how much control you get if you say something is contagious. How do all these things happen? Your own immune system breaks down. And of course, stuff develops inside your own body. Can you actually get sick from somebody else? They never proved that. By having um, polio symptoms classified as a highly contagious disease caused by an invisible, alleged, external, contagious virus, the Rockefeller Institute and the AMA were able to cut off any serious research for any other explanation because now they own the medical schools too. Nobody was going to look. And the exposure to chemicals, remember that our food started getting major chemicals added for mass production. 
Before then, it was local farms, right? Local everything. We went into mass production, and Pharmacia was on a roll. They were they were putting stuff in the food, started spraying things, all kinds of new chemicals from Pharmacia, which is called sorcery. Pharmacia comes up, but nobody was going to investigate if it was coming from that. And so during the 1930s, during the Depression and then war, a few more major uh out little well, I've not. They're more like little outbreaks of polio were noted in certain places immediately after World War II. That's when the polio drama exploded, right? Okay. And so think about that. Right after World War II, and in 1938, the support of presumed polio victim, right, Franklin Roosevelt. He established the National Foundation for Infantile Paralysis, which became the March of Dimes. And that was founded to solicit tax-exempt donations to fund polio research. Now, get this. This was the first time the government was funding disease research based on Flexner's claim that viruses were contagious and infectious and you could get them from other people. That was the March of Dimes. So during the Second World War, while still at the Rockefeller Foundation, this new guy, Henry Cum, was a a consultant to U.S. Army, where he oversaw field studies in Italy, and he directed these field studies for the use of DDT, the chemical they sprayed, and they supposedly, it was supposed to cure typhus and malaria, mosquitoes in the marshes, near Rome and Naples. Did you know we only had, from 42 to 1945, we only had six deaths from malaria in the United States? Yeah. But they needed to cover the entire country with DDT because we were so afraid of dying of malaria? What? Doesn't even make sense, does it? They had had come up with this. The guy was even given a Nobel Prize for it. Paul Mueller, given a Nobel Prize for coming up with uh, DDT. Um, And it was a Swiss drug firm. And it was first authorized on U.S. Army soldiers in 1943 as a general disinfectant against head lice, mosquitoes, and many other insects. And until the war's end, almost all DDT production in the U.S. went to the military. In 1945, the chemical companies could not wait for this brand new market called the USA. And what did they say? We're going to cure malaria. Did anyone even ask whether or not we were afraid of malaria over here? We didn't have a problem with that. And uh, they used it to get in. And the U.S. government had a restricted report on insecticides issued by the Office of Scientific Research and Development in 1944. And that warned against all the effects, toxic effects of DDT in humans and animals And a 1949 article, DDT is a poison. DDT is a cumulative poison. Uh, Inevitable, large-scale intoxication of the American population. And then we had the big polio outbreak, right? Be right back on the Kate Daly Show. you got to listen to this last part. Hi, this is Kate. Make sure and go to preparewithkate.com. Preparewithkate.com. You're going to get special deals from my Patriot Supply and a payment plan. Isn't that amazing? You can do this on payments, which makes it easier on the budget. But make sure you have a food supply. Make sure you're um, adding to that food supply. All you need to do is go to preparewithkate.com. Thanks, you guys.
Hey, everybody, Kate here. You know, I had Dr. Zelenko on the show a couple of times. He's the one that gave ivermectin to President Trump. Make sure that you go to his website, and it's right at the bottom of my homepage. So please find the Zelenko Z-Stack. He's got two products now. One is the the product we're always talking about with four major ingredients that you need right now to build your immune system. The other one is a detox that's brand new, and I would take advantage of getting that as well. We all need to detox. Uh, Dr. Zelenko's website is fantastic. They'll kick the products out quick. Take advantage of this right now while supply chains are still in motion and uh, get as much of that as you possibly can. He's a fantastic doctor that just calls it like it is. That's what I love about him. So go to that on the bottom of my homepage. Look for the wonderful sponsors and find Dr. Zelenko Z-Stack. Thanks, guys. Hi, this is Ryan from Inside Out Hyperbarics. And today I'm on the radio to say thank you to all of our clients who have allowed us to be part of their healing journeys. From helping those suffering from traumatic brain injury and chronic pain disorders to those with symptoms of autoimmune or the lingering effects of COVID-19 long haulers. It's been an honor you put faith in us to help you through some of your toughest times. So to give back, we will be running monthly specials to celebrate our upcoming six-year anniversary. To find these specials, check us out on the web at InsideOutHyperbarics.com. Inside Out Hyperbarics, bringing out the best in you. Talk lines are open now. Call 888-673-1450. This is the Kate Daly Show. Coming for to carry me home. A band of angels coming after me. Coming for to carry me home Swing low, sweet chariot Coming for to carry me home Swing low, sweet chariot Coming for to carry me home Welcome back, Kate Daly Show. Uh, this is why I mentioned things like uh, Inside Out Hyperbarics because I... Getting a really clear understanding of pharma and how they infiltrated your doctor's education, your uh, life, uh, all of the things we've all been through as a populace, I try to get away from them as much as you can. And hyperbaric machines are just incredible. They're just incredible. They solve so many issues because you're going to the core reason that something's wrong, and that is getting oxygen into the cell. Please, please, please go and, and get a hyperbaric machine. You can pay on it later. Um, go to Inside Out Hyperbarics with an S. InsideOutHyperbarics.com. Ask them questions. See if this is right for you, but you can share this with family and friends and, and everybody else. So let me, get to the, let me get to the question I had that I had to answer, okay? So basically, um, the, the U.S. Department of Agriculture was telling farmers, wash your cows in DDT and, and cornfields were aerated with DDT. I mean, everything was DDT. And all of a sudden, we had this huge spike. Nobody ever says, why do we have a spike in polio? Um, because in the 1950s, because, because they were, they were uh, spraying this, okay? And um, there was a courageous doctor that came out. His name was Fred Klenner. And he came out and he was trying to say that absorbic acid vitamin C, that his victims that had toxic poisoning from DDT, they were, it was being resolved by using vitamin C. And uh, this was, this was before uh, Linus Pauling Nobel Prize research on vitamin C came out and he had all this remarkable success, right? Because the epidemics were also in the summer. Remember that in the summer. 1949 to 1951. 
and vitamin C was working for these people, just like it worked for my husband in the hospital, right? Same kind of thing. You just have to go back to the root things. And um, so the Rockefeller Institute and the AMA had no interest in this at all and did not want to hear about you know this and the Rockefeller controlled National Foundation of Infantile Paralysis as it was called were only funding polio vaccine development that was all they were concentrating on does that sound familiar right now that was all they were concentrating on was how can we sell a vaccine how can we manufacture a vaccine based on the unproven Flexner claim that polio was a contagious virus which it was not was it a result of being poisoned well I think it was and um, so they were using, anyway, the vitamin C was rejected as quackery. Remember what I got told in the, in the hospital? That did nothing. <laughs> okay. So summer of 51 to 52, polio cases at an all-time high. Um, and uh, the number of cases diagnosed in polio. Then, of course, right after that began to decline. And um, it was pretty dramatic until about the year 1955, and what happened in 1955? So it was already on the decline. It was already phasing out. Jonas Salt comes up with the polio shot. Approved for the public use. And about a year before the sudden decline in polio, farmers whose dairy cows were suffering from the, still the severe effects of DDT were advised by U.S. agriculture to reduce DDT. Okay? Farmers reduced DDT a year before and oddly enough, the cases of polio went back down. They didn't need a vaccine, but the vaccine program, see, had already gotten started with government funding. And it was the only thing they were doing. They weren't looking for cause. They weren't looking for anything else. They just wanted a shot that they could sell you that would hurt your immune system, right? And what do we do today? And the reason I'm bringing this up is because uh, we all, those naysayers out there that have such a hard time, well, polio, that's the trump card. Everybody plays the trump card. It's polio. Without polio, we'd be screwed. No, that's not true at all. And it's only 1% that even have paralysis or death. Everybody else was fine. Same as anything, including what you want to call blovid. Okay. Um, but there was lots of, of stuff coming out of the DDT spraying. There was a chronic fatigue syndrome, um, encephalitis, meningitis, uh, muscular sclerosis started to grow. Muscular sclerosis started to become a big thing. Same with uh, Guillain-Barre. Okay, so you have this happen, but here was, here was the problem I was having. There were outbreaks in, um, like, say, 1915. Okay, there was this little outbreak in New Jersey, in Trenton, New Jersey, to be specific, and New York. That's where, that's where most of it was. And so my problem was, wait a minute, what caused that then? If DDT, if you're going to say DDT caused polio because of it was actual chemical poisoning, well, what caused it in 1915? So I started in on some research, started really looking at some stuff. And there, so right, literally like miles away from Trenton um, and in Trenton, there's this big, uh, uh, there was a site, it was called Boundbrook, uh, New Jersey, and adjacent to the uh, Raritan River, okay, the New Jersey Calco Chemical Company was founded uh, in 1915. And what did they make? Synthetic dye stuffs, okay? 
and they embarked on this uh, manufacture. They were this American chem- chemical company, and they later became the American Cyanide <laughs> Calco Chemical Division. And uh, they were also dealing with fertilizers, okay, herbicides, things like that. And this was uh, founded in, started in 1915 at a site close to the town um, where they were having all of these cases crop up, okay, with polio symptoms, what we call polio. And um, it was interesting because it was always during the summer, you know, and that was kind of, it was interesting that the cases would, would get this way during the summer, but was it after that spring, spring, right? Um, and so from New Jersey to Trenton, uh, 32 miles and this river, this Raritan river, it actually emptied near Staten Island into the Atlantic ocean. And where were the biggest cases, New York and Trenton, New Jersey in 1915. And you know, nobody hardly ever asks why in the world did that break out all of a sudden? You suddenly had just a few people getting kind of like paralysis and just some weird symptoms that you hadn't seen before. Remember, you had the chemical companies late 1800s they, into the early 1900s start, start manufacturing mass food and you started having a lot of chemicals. And, uh, and so were they effects of poisoning? Okay. And so they actually did started doing some studies because like five years later, they really started kind of, you know, kind of going after these chemical companies. And that's kind of interesting, too, because there's a whole backstory to that. I'm not going to have time to to give you. But um, the American uh, cyanide company also got its start early 1900s by developing effective fertilizers and nitrogens and all of these things. Right. So. Um, so they, let's see here. So Trenton has that first really kind of bigger outbreak and it has to be, that's the only thing that changed because <laughs> I looked at what changed, what changed in Trenton, what changed in New York that would have caused these kind of weird, different symptoms to kind of break out into the scene. Doesn't make sense, right? Um, and so the only thing that changed during that time as a year precursor was the chemical plant. Cause really it was like the 1916 outbreak. So 1915, you got this chemical plant makes a little more sense, right? Because if DDT caused those same exact symptoms to flourish in the late forties, fifties, it had to be something pretty similar to begin but nobody's ever talking about this. Nobody says, well, what caused, what caused, what caused this? They were using nitrates to bleach fat flour at the time for the first time. Chemicals in our foods for mass production in the early 1900s went just crazy. And they were, they, um, and by the way, we didn't need government functions. I mean, I really do think, I mean, you, you had the law, you had lawsuits, you could have gone after certain companies for, for trying certain things or doing certain things, but we got heavy, heavy government because of this as well. And this is when the FDA, the FDA really got rolling. Now we get always give them the hat tip for, um, you know, getting rid of the mob, you know, during the, during the twenties. But truly, I think the FDA was really cover for pharma because what I really think happened was. If you have these chemical companies and you can, you can say, well, years later, you did something there. Uh, you shouldn't have that, that, that caused, 
you know, some pollution or whatever in the rivers or whatever. What are you not talking about? You're not talking about the whole advent of pharma. <laughs> You're not talking about all their chemical use, all the things that they were doing. Hitler couldn't have been Hitler without pharma because that's what he used in the gas chambers is these are the concoctions that everybody was using. Pharma plays a very big part in our lives, in our history. And I really do think it is the darkest part of our history because it affects all of us, right? All of our health. But if you have the FDA kind of throwing, you know, you're talking about the chemical they're using in bread or they're, they're talking about the chemicals flowing into the river from the chemical company I talked about in Trenton. But you're never talking about pharma. It's never attached to pharma, ever. All the dyes, all the chemicals that became pharma, it just isn't talked about. They use different things for our uh, food supply. They didn't, you know, they didn't use chemicals until, you know, the late 1800s and, and early, um, mid to late 1800s, they started inventing them and then started using them in the 1900s, right? And they used natural things, wild cucumbers and natural flowers and all kinds of different things that helped us. But now we had this pharma company, but you have to conceal the pharma company. You have to, you have to make it look like it's the best thing since sliced bread. Ironically, you have to make them look fantastic. So you can never, ever be pointing out that pharma came along and it was their chemicals that started screwing with us and our health. Right. And so they, they rushed to call it a virus. Cause if you call it a contagious virus, you get more control and then you get to develop a vaccine program. You get to develop a vaccine program for everything. There's a lot of money to be made for pharma. If everything's a virus and everything you can call, I can develop a vaccine. Why did they put Fauci, who they gave billions and billions of dollars to him and Gates to come up with an AIDS vaccine, couldn't come up with it for 35 years, and they put him in charge of a vaccine (laughs) that they could not do, right? And they put him in charge of the invisible COVID, the COVID with 98 symptoms that has a hard time being identified. Because how could everybody have such different symptoms? Doesn't make sense, does it? Very, very interesting. So you've got flus and you've got colds, but are they caused honestly by you're just your own immune system? And that's the level of symptoms you have because it's caused not from something coming in, you know, as far as uh, contagion, but if it's caused from poisoning, there's a lot of things that actually make sense on the big picture. You know, if you were Satan... How would you, how would you do that? How would you do that? Well, it'd be really great to come up with pharmacia, wouldn't it? And it'd be really great to kind of hide it uh, from ever pointing out that it's harmful and only give it praise and then control the whole medical industry training and teach them that it's all contagious virus, but not even their own chemicals are actually doing the bidding their own chemicals so pharma comes in as a solution for the problem they're creating by making even more money by creating shots. In a world of fantastic sanitation, in this day and time, we have over 90 vaccinations given now in a child's lifetime. For what? For what? You have bacteria. Bacteria can do its thing. But usually all of that is when you don't have good sanitation. Right. And some other reasons, but mostly good sanitation. Why in the world do you need a vaccine program 
when the whole vaccine program was built off the same companies and the same inventions that I think we're actually doing the bidding of the harm. But if you blame a virus, you can be the cause no one knows, and then you can offer up your your solution and have a program where uh, people are compelled to get it, compelled to get the shots. That's pretty amazing. Pretty crafty. Pretty crafty. It's, it, it's honestly, just kind of think about this over the weekend. It, it actually makes a lot more sense, doesn't it? Because those particular symptoms did not come about before the chemicals that were derived by pharma that pharma ended up using, right, for pharma purposes, okay? A lot of chemicals when we started mass producing everything, too. So there were a lot of different kinds of chemicals um, being, uh, um, being implemented at the time. Did we need them? No. But it's easier to sell chemicals, isn't it, than just use things at your disposal that are more, that are safe and just sort of part of our earth. Be faithful. Be fearless. See you on Monday.